Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 150. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation, this final day of June as everybody around the country getting ready for the 4th of July. Dave, how you doing? Doing good on this Friday, and it's been a busy morning already. We got, uh, boy, several several interviews uh, hitting the internet this morning. Pat Firemuth was on, uh, which one was he on? Uh, pardon my take. Yeah, pardon my take. And you had uh, Alejandro Villanueva on the Kelsey podcast. You had Levi Wallace on Good Morning Football this morning. And yeah, it's going to, it looks like it's going to be a busy Friday. And uh, the, the, the Steelers could make it better if they go ahead and get that uh, <laughs> Alex Highsmith uh, contract extension uh, done on this Friday. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. Normally, when you see them do these uh, contract extensions, I think generally you see them hit like on Wednesday or Thursday, uh, right right around in there. I think that's 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 when you see the majority of those things. And uh, I don't know, my my money was kind of on on Highsmith getting that thing done uh, by July 1st. But here we are, June 30th. It doesn't look like it's going to get done by there. There's no reason to worry. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, that's just a prediction uh, as far as when maybe that could be done. And a lot, a lot of that was based really on uh, this team getting Minka Fitzpatrick done uh, not too long after uh, uh, mandatory minicamp had ended or right, right there in the middle of man- mandatory minicamp uh, a year ago there. Uh, they obviously still have a lot of time to get this done that I've, I've firmly believe they will get it done uh, with him by week one of the regular season. It just doesn't look like it's going to happen by uh, July 1st. I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll surprise us later this afternoon. But uh, as as of right now, it doesn't look like it's going to get done by July 4th weekend. Sure. But the day is young. Or or the week of July 4th, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we'll see. All it takes in the next five minutes, something could drop out of nowhere. Usually these things just kind of come. You refresh Twitter and you see the tweet and and the news is in. So we'll just kind of wait and see and still think a deal will get done before week one, which is all really that ultimately matters. Not um, a tremendous amount of breaking news today. We do want to maybe touch on the Frymouth and especially the uh, Villanueva podcast because you don't get to hear from that guy very often. But before we do that, Dave, and we, we've mentioned this before, kind of talk about, a, uh, about this topic each year, but you know, you think you've done some more research and background on the Steelers post OTA and minicamp signings and how the roster, you know, in terms of the guys that will make the 53, there's probably at least one outsider who's not a Steeler today who will be part of that team when they take on the 49ers in week one. So kind of expand on your thoughts and your research there. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this uh, before we, uh, you know, I I guess it was either in our last show or the show before that that we did. And I have since uh, compiled and and updated the info on uh, what I what I consider uh, that, you know, the post uh, offseason program 
you know, portion of, uh, of the off season there before week one. And what I did is I went back and all the way back to uh, 2012 to look at the players that the Steelers signed after mandatory mini camp ended, uh, that ended up, you know, that they signed that ended up making the, the week one 53 man roster, uh, that year. And look, I mean, just go back to last year alone. Uh, this team had three players and not just signed traded for or acquired off waivers Mm -hmm. or, or, or anything of that nature. So let me be specific in that. This is just not signings. Uh, it is just additions overall, no matter how, how they got there. And last year, this team had three players, uh, that they added, you know, to, to, to the offseason roster that wound up making uh, the week one 53-man roster, those players being Larry Ogunjobi, who, of course, they had signed to a, a, a one-year deal on June 21st, and the two others were, were, were players they traded for, Malik Reed and Jesse Davis, and both those guys got uh, uh, were, were acquired via trade on August 30th, right before the start of the, the regular season. And, man, you go back to even 2021, uh, you you had four players after mandatory minicamp uh, had ended that this team either signed or traded for that ended up on the 53-man roster. Trey Turner, Melvin Ingram, Joe Schobert, Akella Witherspoon. What's funny is all four of those guys <laughs> are no longer with the <laughs> uh, with 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 the team at this point here. And you know, just going over historically all the way back to 2012 for the same set of criteria. Only one year, 2019, did the team not have at least two uh, such acquisitions after mandatory minicamp uh, that that end up ended up being on the week one 53-man roster. In total, going back from 2022 to uh, 2012, 34 uh, such additions there, which obviously averages out to just a little bit more than three, uh, three, three a year within that. And uh, another interesting aspect of this, of those 34 players uh, that I compiled uh, on this list dating back to 2012, 11 of them, which was what, which is what nearly a third of them were acquired via trade. So on average three a year, only one year has there not been, you know, such such a player added, you know, that that that, that fits this criteria after mandatory minicamp, and you know, really a third of those have been uh, uh, acquired via trade. So, so what does it mean as I look mm. at uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, on Brian t- Winhorst. Yeah, Brian Winhorst on my uh, TV right now. It looks like he's on. Uh, uh, was it PFT or something like that? Uh, but, uh, uh, it means that, you know, history shows us that there's a good chance that this team adds, you know, one or two more players moving forward that, that end up making the 53 man roster here. Now, uh, since this year's mandatory mini camp, uh, has ended a couple of weeks ago. We've already seen two players added, right? Nick Kwiatkowski and Rex Sonihara. So technically, there's two two possibilities already on the board uh, this summer that would, you know, could could potentially maybe make the 53 man roster in some way, shape, or form here. But even beyond that, uh, I think you're going to see one, two, three more, maybe that uh, at least added between now. And week one 
that end up potentially making the 53-man roster. So if you're doing those 53-man roster predictions, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure we got a couple of them coming on the site here pretty soon again, uh, maybe leave in a to-be-named later spot or, or, or something mm-hmm. along those lines. Just write them in pencil, not pen. You know, a lot will change. Injuries, of course, will impact things. Even the two guys that have been signed in Sunohara and I, I keep saying Kwiatkowski because that's where my brain goes to. It might be like Kwiatkowski. I'm gonna, we're, we're going to work on it, but he may make this team. I think he's got a good shot to make this team. That veteran inside linebacker depth, special teams ability that Pittsburgh signed him to be. So uh, it, it's, it's possible. It, I would say it's reasonable to expect one of those two signings to make the team. It's possible both make it. So right off the bat, there's two, and there could be more added as you get through Again, trades, waiver claims, injuries that open up positions, you know, where you feel like you have to add all that's on the table come August. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I think you look at a couple of positions that, you know, uh, uh, when it groups, when it comes to this 90 man roster right now, we've talked about slot cornerback all off season there. Uh, and yeah, uh, they, they have, uh, 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 Chandon Sullivan that they added, you know, around draft time there. And, but, but even so it, it does feel like if the right person came available, you know, uh, more than likely that such a player, I- any player at this point that they add, uh, now that they're past Kwiatkowski and, 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 and Sonohara, uh, it, it feels like will come from, would be somebody that's currently on another 90 man roster right now. And they, you know, that's next mm-hmm. to impossible to kind of predict or, or even build a list around players of who you think that might be, but you know, some position groups, you know, slot cornerback, I think is a distinct possibility. Uh, there's there's been constantly you know constant buzz about inside linebacker uh 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 addition and, and specifically maybe somebody that could play you know in sub package situations and and help in in some coverages so I don't think that's completely off the table uh uh even though you've got a couple of young kids and undrafted free agent running backs I think that's you know plausible that you mm-hmm. could see a veteran uh type. Uh, at, at this point, obviously it would be a cheap veteran, but, uh, it would be a guy that could you know potentially serve as your number three running back that could play on special teams. I'm just throwing out these as position plausibilities, not necessarily that'll happen. And then that leads me to kind of, I wanted to hit you with this cold. I didn't, I, I didn't want to, uh, 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 tip you off during our, our long pre pre uh, show production <laughs> meeting, uh, that, that we have, but, uh, and, and all this kind of plays in together, but Alex, you know, what the hell is this team going to do? At the, what happens if Mason Cole goes down? Really? Sure. I mean, uh, what is the current patio uh, outcome right now? If this team were to lose Mason Cole for whatever reason at center. Short answer is I don't know. And I'm not sure if the team really knows right now what that plan B is. And so I think what you see in camp, whenever a team, you know, brings in an, an outsider, at least in Pittsburgh, the way that it kind of happens is you you go into camp, you let your guys compete, you see how they do. And if you're not if you're not happy with the results of that competition, you feel like there's really no clear winner, no one taking charge, then you go find an outside acquisition. So running back, for example, they're going to let those young guys compete. If they can't cut it, you find somebody else. Center Similar story. You let younger or newer guys like Kendrick Green 
like Ryan McCollum, like potentially Spencer Anderson, maybe Nate Herbig, not a new guy or not a young guy, but but a new guy. Maybe he picks up some snaps there. If you're not happy with that, then you look outside. So short answer is it's really an open competition. I don't know who the front runner really is right now. I don't think there is a front runner. You could name somebody, but it really wouldn't carry any sort of weight. And you let them compete this summer, see how, you know, maybe Green could progress. Maybe McCollum, to me, is a guy that I think is a camp sleeper. We'll see how Spencer Anderson looks. Um, and if those guys can't hack it, then you look outside the organization. I mean, because you've got a lot of guys that, that uh, you know, on that list that could potentially, you know, uh, fit maybe that role. But but none of them have extensive NFL experience. At right. the there's, there's a lot of in theory, guys. In theory, he could do it. We got to see it in action, though. And then how much comfort does that have? You know, even if you were able to get a guy ready between from the start of training camp, uh, 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 you know, to the start of regular season uh, to potentially be that guy. I mean, you're going to have to get that guy some snaps uh, during the preseason, right? So uh, uh, for sure. I mean, and, and even not, even if you felt comfortable with a guy like Herbig, let, let, let's say, I mean, how much confidence do you go in uh, to the season? I mean, cause you're one snap away from, from him being in there and j- him just not having the overall experience and the line calls. And I mean, it, it 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 sets up to be kind of a, a catastrophic situation. Well, he would have to get reps in the summer. Obviously, if they're going to consider him to be an option, you can't not give that guy reps during camp and then expect him to be the the backup center to start week one. So, you know, I would presume if it's an internal option, whoever it is, it's going to be somebody that that's getting time there this summer. You're right. The outside guys are tough because you bring him in late. They're trying to, you know, get acclimated to your system. They got to be that smartest guy on the line, making the line calls, have some sort of chemistry and work with ideally all of your quarterbacks. But, you know, typically it ends up being the backup. So it's a tough situation. But if you're going outside, obviously that means that you're just not trusting or comfortable with your internal options. And so you kind of take the the cost of the newness and the early growing pains if, if you feel like none of your current guys can do the job effectively enough i mean across the line right now you know obviously this team has addressed uh addressed the line a lot this offseason and you feel pretty good overall about uh uh not only you know the starters but the depth uh for the most part except the center position right yeah i think overall they've done a good job you feel better at guard where you have your starters who are established in say malu and daniels and your top backup in herbig so you're good there at tackle. You have more a core for Broderick Jones, much better depth there. Overall can insulate against injury. Uh, center really was not addressed to that degree. So it's a fair point. That's why for me, I, I and I kind of beat this dead horse some, but Jimmy Morrissey of Houston makes so much sense because he has that connection with Kenny Pickett, where even if it is just say, God forbid, halftime of week one, Mason Cole goes down, Morrissey has to come in. You already have experience with your quarterback in your center because those guys were quarterback and center together at Pitt. And so I think really Morrissey makes so much sense from that aspect of he still have to adjust the Pittsburgh system. There's still going to be some difficulty in that, but I think it'd be an easier transition and you won't have that concern of my backup center has never taken a snap with my starting quarterback. And now we're in the third quarter of a game and we're trying to you know get out with a victory and make this thing work. There's going to be a lesser stress over that. Yeah, and look, I mean, this is something that that's you know obviously outside linebacker. We've talked about that position over the years quite a bit. And they they have finally it feels like properly uh, 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 addressed that with uh, 
with, with Golden and, 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 you know, along those lines there. So feel better about that. But, you know, I, I, I just pulled up a post that I wrote on May 2nd. You know, Steelers offseason roster construction post-draft might be center of attention. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then obviously you've written about Morrissey. And, and this isn't a new topic for us, but, you know, I, I, I'm doing this 90 and 30 series now and about, I don't know what, 15, 18 players into it now. And you just, you know, you start you start, uh, uh, you know, going more into, uh, the, the deeper parts of the roster with some of these guys. And in fact, this last post of mine that I just wrote up, I think, uh, it's either up this, I think it's up this morning, uh, mm-hmm. uh, with, uh, Mason Cole and James Daniels, uh, included in that group of three players there. It just, it, it, it really hit me again that, uh, man, you know, and, and let, let's you know, Mason Cole obviously was, a, a to me, uh, I, I think he played, better than expectations, uh, in his first season in Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh, I, I would expect him, uh, in his second season and in the Pat Meyer system to, uh, to, to, to make potentially another jump, but let, let's not fool ourselves here. I don't think, uh, uh, Mason Cole right now would be confused as a top five center in the, in the NFL. Maybe he can get into the top, uh, uh, 10, uh, category uh, with a solid season, but uh, and and that assume, assumes he stays healthy. And to me, right now, when you look at at at, at this offense overall uh, as a ninety man unit right now, and the depth related to it, it feels it, to me the backup center position just jumps out. Sure, I'm with you. I mean, slot corner as well, but they've added a lot of guys. They're just going to have to let those guys compete, and we'll see what rises to the top, and will it be enough? But it's a similar conversation at center. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not. I've kind of gone back and forth when I had the podcast with Josh last week. My thought was, yeah, maybe Spencer Anderson could be that guy, but I really think Ryan McCollum could be a sleeper. He's got the size. He can play guard. He can play center. Uh, he's got a bit of NFL experience, 100 snaps in 2021 with the Lions, was on Pittsburgh's practice squad last year. So he's got a full year, a full offseason now in Pittsburgh system. He was signed late in camp last year, so it was kind of catching that moving train. I really think McCollum's a guy that is a name to watch to capture that backup center spot if it's going to be an internal option. All right. Well, I mean, it's something definitely to watch moving forward here and. Uh, especially when we get into preseason and all like that. I, I, you know, I don't think, I don't think this is going to be a position that they address right now, obviously. I mean, you're right, right here in the, in the, uh, in, in the heart of the slow part of the off season, obviously work, uh, off season workouts are done with, but, uh, it will be interesting once training camp and preseason gets, uh, gets underway here, uh, to, to see which way they move with this and specifically, you know, who's, who's number two right out of shoot. Who do you think in that first training camp practice when we come back on that training camp recap episode? And I tell you, Dave, Mason Cole, of course, your starting center, the backup center with the twos was blank. We'll play some match game. Fill in the blank there. Who is that? <laughs> who is that number two center? Is that it, Kendrick Green? It feels like it's Kendrick Green, at least from what what we're hearing or seeing or reading or whatnot at you know at this point. Yeah, I'm probably with you as well to start. And again, that's just to start nothing set in stone. And we've seen guys run with the twos and end up getting cut or, you know, become number three. Uh, Anthony Miller was getting a lot of, you know, early snaps in camp last year before he got hurt. And he kind of was falling, falling down the depth chart. So, yeah, we'll we'll see overall. Um, How does I know we're kind of a little still a little ahead of this, but second team O-line to start camp. 
I mean, first team O-line, we expected to be more, say, Malu, Cole, Daniels, Accor for. Agreed? Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's there's going to be the debate to see if uh, the rookie Broderick Jones can can do enough to uh, mm-hmm. bypass Dan Moore, but, uh, sure, I'm uh, saying like first day practice is right. First okay. Reps. Yeah. That, 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 that sounds good. The second team, uh, let's see. I Jones, would go Jones, tackle. uh, uh, Kevin Urban. Dotson. Oh, you go Dotson. Okay. Yeah. I get that. Uh, then I would go probably Kendrick green, probably Herbig right guard. Mm-hmm. And LaRaven Clark, I guess, right tackle. Yeah, I'm with you. That sounds, I'd be surprised if it wasn't that configuration for both first and second team. And again, that's just the start, just as a baseline thing we'll be working with. True or false, this team will add a, add a center, not currently on the 90-man roster, that'll be on the week 153-man roster. Mm, that's a really good question. I mean, just to, you know, give you an answer that doesn't carry really any weight, I'll say true. I'll say true as well, too, just because it it feels like such a big hole right now. Yeah, but again, you go into camp, let those guys compete, evaluate before you start making moves. That's why those moves come at the end of camp, you know, trades, and obviously when guys get cut, you know, by that point, every team's evaluated their guys, and you're not making any moves before guys have a chance to prove themselves or not prove themselves. Right. All right, Dave, speaking of your 90 and 30 series, you've been moving right along. I think, what, you have four of them up now, I believe, since the last time we did the podcast. So do you kind of want to run through some of the names here as you've kind of worked your way through the Steelers alphabet? Yeah, and uh, let's see. I think we left off with uh, Luke Barku, uh, mm-hmm. Keanu Benton, and Chris Boswell. Uh, Barku, you know, nice story, obviously, coming out of the XFL. He's an outside corner. He does have very limited uh, experience, I think, playing uh, in the slot. But he's more one of those longer uh, outside guys uh, there. And obviously, you know, you had a foot kind of out of the league. Uh, he wasn't all XFL uh, selection for his efforts with uh, San Antonio uh, this 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 past spring here. Uh, even so, when you look at what this team has done at the cornerback position this offseason, obviously bringing in Patrick Peterson, drafting Joey Porter Jr. and Corey Trice Jr. Uh, this guy's on, you know, Barku's on the outside looking in. Uh, a lot would have to happen. Uh, it feels like for him to make the 53-man roster uh, come week one. Uh, to me, it feels like uh, something would have have to happen with James Pierre and Pierre uh, obviously has experience in the system is a, a, a above average special teams player. Uh, it, 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 it feels like if, if, Barku's going to make the roster. His path has got to go through James Pierre and potentially maybe even having a little bit more help uh, within there. So I think uh, in conclusion, uh, it feels like Barku might be battling for a practice practice squad spot. That's a fair assessment. Overall, he's a guy that's a good scheme fit. I know some of the advanced stats and what uh, the XFL, his team was doing earlier this year was a lot of cover one, a lot of man heavy scheme. I did the report on him. There's some ball skills. He was a former wide receiver. And so he's a guy that tracks and can, can make plays on the football can finish. Um, you know, some questions about, can he play in zone? Can he flip his hips? Um, maybe that long speed a little bit on that, but you know, he's a guy that again, is that type of corner Pittsburgh wants. It has some size and has some ball skills and can play man coverage. And that's Luke Barku. 
All right. Uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time on Keanu uh, Benton because obviously we've talked about him since draft day. He's going to make the 53-man roster, no question about that. Uh, The only question really at this point is, uh, can he be a week one guy uh, in the middle of that defense? And if not, uh, how long will it take him to be that uh, that 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 you know um, main cog in the middle of that defense? Sure. My expectation, my hope is that Keanu Benton is the week one starting nose tackle. If not, I will consider that a disappointment, barring of course if he was injured and that that played a serious factor. So that's my my first thought with Keanu Benton. Right. Not not you know not a lot. You know, once again, it, it's more speculation at this point. Obviously, not related around him making the fifty three man roster, but just how soon he starts seeing the field, and then what is his outlook as far as playing time goes from there. Uh, Chris Boswell, another guy uh, in, in that next uh, set of three, uh, coming off of a you know a disappointing season overall. He made all of his extra point attempts, but he was just twenty of twenty eight on on field goal attempts. Uh, he dealt with that what groin injury uh that landed him on the inj- uh, on the reserve injured list for four games uh he's not a spring chicken anymore uh, he's 32 32 years of age and has missed nine games in total over the course of the last three seasons obviously signed him to a an extension last off season there uh you know the thing with him is you know he i you know i view you can't help but because of his contract and, and what he's done in the NFL, he's a virtual lock to continue, obviously, in 2023. Uh, the big the big thing with him is he just needs to stay healthy uh, and, you know, pretty much, you know, not fall off a cliff during during the offseason as far as his, his accuracy and and distance and all like that. Uh, the Steelers did bring in uh, former former Clemson uh, kicker BT Potter as an undrafted free agent uh, this offseason, uh, probably to help take off, you know, uh, take some of that summer kicking chores off of it, off of Boswell's plate to ensure he stays healthy there. But the only real question with Boswell, I think, at this point is, can he return, you know, to, to be in the Boswell that we saw in what, 2021, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's, you know, health and health only is really the, is the only question when it comes to Boswell this summer. Sure. Hopefully it's like 2018, 2019, where 2018 was miserable and he bounced back, got healthy for 2019. Hopefully it's the same way for 2022 to 2023, even despite, you know, last year being pretty shaky, the dude was what, what seven and nine from 50 plus. I mean, has anybody conquered 50 plus in Pittsburgh the way that Chris Boswell has? Right. They haven't. And so despite that down year, you still see a really high level of success in some of those long range field goals. You know, my hope for him in this, I mean, it would have to be where Braden Mann beats up Presley Harvard for the punting job is if you could take Boswell off being that kickoff specialist, which matters even less, given that we're going to see decreasing kick returns by about seven to 10 percent this year. If if Mann were to win the job because Mann has a kickoff specialist background, that would reduce some of that burden on Boswell. I can't imagine as he's fighting that groin injury last year, the kickoffs were feeling good on his body. So anything you can do to kind of remove that workload and just allow him to really focus on being the best kicker that he can be on field goals is ideal for him, ideal for the team. Yeah, and on both sides of him spending time on the IR, how how did that groin injury play into the accuracy issues on the field goals? You know? Sure. I mean, I'm sure that it did any sort of change and tweak of your technique, anything that doesn't feel 
quite right. You know, kickers are creatures of habit and rhythm and form. And if anything is not as it should be, it's going to mess with you physically and then probably mentally as well. All right. Uh, the next three that I did, uh, let's see, we got Jordan Bird, uh, Dan Chisena, and LaRaven Clark. And uh, Bird, obviously one of the team's undrafted free agents. And, and, and uh, you know, they label him as a wide receiver returner on, on the team website and all, although he, he was mostly used in a running game as a, as, as a running back there. Uh undersized, you know, this guy has one path to the 53 man roster this summer. And that's the Stefan Logan, uh, path. It seems like every couple of years we have, uh, uh, st- a Stefan Logan. In fact, probably every summer, uh, Stefan mm-hmm. Logan, uh, kind of reference here. Uh, you know, he was, he was a pretty fantastic returner overall at, at San Diego state. Uh, that's, that's his ticket. And really it feels like you know, his ticket to, to stay in Pittsburgh past final cutdowns. Cause I, you know, I don't think you're going to re- keep a returner, uh, kind of, you know, specific related guy on your practice squad, you know, unless you've got an injury or something that, you know, maybe a guy's dealing with or something like that. So, uh, Jordan bird, you know, once he gets into the stadiums in preseason, he's got to take a couple back to the house, I think yeah. to, 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 to stay in Pittsburgh. It's funny we mentioned him today. I have a video on the site about Tree Archer's career. I kind of see a lot of parallels where Archer was more running back than receiver in college, and that's what Bird was. And they tried to, you know, now they're calling Bird more of a receiver return man. And, you know, that's kind of the, I mean, as you said, the path that Bird has is only as a return guy. To do that on the 53, either Calvin Austin has to tank or get hurt. And even then, they might may just turn to Gunnar Olszewski. I could see Bird on practice squad. It's a fourteen man practice squad. There's some space there as a backup return guy. It? They it was sixteen. Are they back to fourteen? Are they at sixteen now? I, I forget where they're at. Is it sixteen? Uh, I think uh, you might be right. I, I, they, I because the rules 16. have changed because of COVID, and I wasn't sure if they had flip flopped and gone back down. But even sixteen, then okay, even more spots to keep a guy like that. So I could see practice squad if he has a good summer, but yeah, in terms of what his role is, especially offensively, like how he's going to be used in camp, I guess some slot type stuff, but it's going to be obviously a really hard path for him. All right. Uh, Jay, uh, Dan Chisena, uh, former undrafted free agent, uh, in 2020 out of Penn state, uh, spent, uh, uh, the last three seasons with, 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 with the Minnesota Vikings doesn't have much of anything, uh, on his resume when it comes to uh, wide receiver production. This guy though, has been a special teams, uh, type player, uh, and, and a fairly decent one at that. Uh, but even so, uh, he, he would have to make a lot of plays on special teams, uh, during the, the, the rest of the summer to even give himself an outside chance to make the 53 man roster. And, you know, b- beyond that, you know, obviously practice squad could come into play there, but I mean, you want to talk about a guy that's got one heck of a uphill battle, uh, ahead of him when it comes to 53 man roster or really sticking around even on, on the practice squad is, is, it's Dan Chisena. Uh, uh, if he had more, more to his resume as a receiver, that would help his cause. Unfortunately, he doesn't, uh, you know, once again, has, has some nice special teams tape out there, but it just doesn't feel like that's going to be enough. 
I thought he was a sleeper before Miles Boykin resigned because I thought Shasen had a chance to take on that Boykin role as that number five, number six wide receiver, special teamer, gunner. That's what Shasen has done in Minnesota his first couple of years in the NFL. He was a track guy, didn't really play much college football. And so he's got an interesting path to the NFL. But with Boykin coming back, who's bigger, a better blocker in the run game, some of those 13 personal packages um, and a more established receiver. It's really hard to see Jacena make it. Boykin would probably have to get hurt, and then Jacena would still have to do a lot to try to capture that fifth or sixth wide receiver spot. All right, uh, next one on the list: LaRaven Clark. Uh, you know, signed to a one-year veteran benefit contract. Uh, I think ahead of the draft, uh, and at that point, I think the Steelers had three tackles under contract, uh, 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 right around in there. But uh, uh, only fifty thousand dollars getting guaranteed money for him. Uh, look, I mean, you know, this team has since drafted Broderick Jones. You would still think based on the way this depth chart looks right now that you have to like LaRaven Clark's chances of making the 53 man roster as that, uh, fourth, uh, tackle. If he does make the 53 man roster and, and assuming Broderick Jones has progressed the way that, that you want him to, to progress and at least have a helmet, uh, on game day, you could be looking at a guy like LaRaven Clark that spends a lot of time on the inactive list during the 2023 season. Regardless, uh, and assuming he does make the 53-man roster, you don't want to see LaRaven Clark play a lot of or any meaningful snaps in 2023. So, uh, you know, and if he did have to play at all in 2023, it's more than likely going to be at right tackle. Right. Some really ugly tape as I went through it last year. It does have some size and length that Pittsburgh likes in, in tackles, has experience on both sides. You know, he's not a guarantee. Obviously, obviously, he's not a guarantee to make the team, but they, they only carry, what, three tackles last year on the 53, right? And more a core four in Trent Scott, correct? Yeah. So there, I mean, and once again, you know, I, I think it, it all, it's all going to come down to roster construction with him. And, sure. you know, uh, if, if you're, I haven't drawn out the whole 53 in, in a couple of weeks now. So I don't know kind of, kind of where he fits in there, uh, overall, but, uh, it's all going to come down to, I think to how many offensive linemen they keep in total. Mm-hmm. And if they did keep kind of four tackle types now, look, you, y'all, y'all obviously have a seventh round draft pick in, 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 in Spencer Anderson with some position flexibility. And they probably hope that maybe he can show something at multiple positions through the rest of this summer that, uh, maybe would make a guy like LaRaven Clark expendable, you know, but so, I will, uh- I, I will say Josh and I had this conversation and I think you and I have mentioned it before. Let's say that Dan Moore beats out Broderick Jones during the summer for the week one left tackle job. How, how confident are we in that Jones will be the slam dunk swing guy if he's not getting much of any work at right tackle during the summer? Well, I would expect him to get some, some sort of work at right tackle. I would hope he would, uh, I think I think he'll get some, but obviously they want him at left tackle to evaluate him at left tackle, and they're gonna. I think Dan Moore is gonna get a lot more reps at right tackle than Jones will. Look, I understand the inexperience with, with when it comes to Broderick Jones, obviously, but I mean, you don't, you don't. To me, uh, you've you've got to go in this thing thinking, man. At worst, he's going to be the swing tackle come week one. 
but then he's going to have to get a lot of right tackle work because he, he does not have much of that on his resume. You know, I don't think he has any starts there at Georgia. He played there some, but he I don't pra- know how he, many He snaps. did talk about practicing there almost every practice, though. Uh, yeah, at, but at, how much in a Georgia. game? I mean, you know, going from practice to Georgia to win a game at right tackle at the NFL level is still a pretty big jump. Well, I mean, if if they if if that ended up being the case where you had questions about, you know, uh, if you're coming out of the summer uh, with him not being your starting left tackle mm-hmm. and you were worried about him being able to be the swing guy at that point, well, then obviously you'd have to have another tackle. Uh, that would get a helmet at least to start the season. Right. And that would unequivocally probably be you know, your main choice would be LaRaven Clark. Now, I think the third thing that could happen, and I mentioned this to Josh as well, is that let's say that you didn't feel super comfortable comfortable with Jones at right tackle. You could still have him be active. And let's say a core went down. Dan Moore flips to right tackle. Jones comes in, comes in left tackle. I know that switching multiple multiple positions is not ideal for anybody, but I think that is another path that Pittsburgh could take. Well, normally they only dress uh, seven offensive linemen for games, though, right? Right. So if you're so you're essentially saying you would dress four of the four of those seven would be. No, 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 no. I'm saying that that Clark wouldn't dress your backup tackle would be Broderick Jones, but he wouldn't be there to be a right tackle. If a quarter went down, down more goes to right tackle Jones slides in at left tackle where he's more natural or comfortable. And Dan Moore becomes effectively the backup right tackle still. Well, that, that circles back to what I said. I mean, if, 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 if they ended up keeping four tackles in total, uh, there's a good chance that LaRaven Clark could be an inactive. Right. Sure. Sure. Um, just some thoughts there. Um, I think we had skipped over the receiver trio Boykin, Bradley and Butler, if you want to go back to, to those three names. Oh, okay. Yeah. Boykin obviously uh kind of signed later uh in 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 in, in the offseason there. Good special teams player. Uh, I think the biggest uh hope with him uh in the in the, in his first season in, in Pittsburgh is that he's uh learned, you know, completely learned the offense and 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 not that you want to see it a lot, but a guy that, you know, God forbid you had to put him on the field more, a guy that could at least function maybe in at least two positions there, you know, the Z and maybe, you know, the slot or something along those lines there. I mean, this guy's predominantly been a Z, right? Uh, And he hangs his hat right now on his special teams play, which was pretty damn good. (laughs) Uh, uh, He's going to be hard to get off of the roster because of that. Uh, Didn't get, even though he had a lot of snaps, uh, in, 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 in 2022, 130 offensive snaps in total. Uh, he only missed one game, uh, uh, last season due to oblique in, to an oblique injury, but he still only had two receptions for 11 yards on three total targets, man. If you can't, you know, three total targets on 130 offensive snaps, you know, and you're not, you know, and he's a good blocker, I think in, 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 in general, but it's not like we're, uh, you have instant recall to thinking, oh, man, thank goodness Boykin was on the field for that running play, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, I think you're you're hurting yourself if you have a guy like that that has to hit the uh, 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 the offense for 100 snaps that you only target him three times. You know, you might as well be playing with 10 people out there, basically is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I think his role's pretty clearly defined special teamer. 13 personnel, you know, run blocker. I still remember they threw that deep ball to him week one against the Bengals last year, incomplete. They never, they never tried that again, but 
Uh, yeah, he's a really quality special teams guy. And obviously, if the other guys stay healthy, then Boykin will see you know minimal time offensively. I mean, you got him inside the bubble right now, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think he's at number five, you know, number four receiver, special teamer. Uh, I think his spot is is pretty comfortable. All right, next uh, next guy, Jamarcus Bradley, uh, who ended the 2022 season on the Steelers practice squad, a Louisiana product who uh, uh, been around the NFL for a little bit. He's actually seen you know a handful, uh, I think what 171 offensive snaps played in total in his NFL career. Uh, he's logged 54 more special teams snaps uh, uh, so far. I think has what three total special teams tackles. Has some uh, extremely limited returner experience at the NFL uh, level with two kickoff returns for 49 yards. But if we're being really, really honest here, he has virtually no shot at making the Steelers 53-man roster. Uh, so many negative things would have to happen for him to, to, to be able to do that. I think when you're looking at a guy like Jamarcus Bradley the rest of this summer, you're thinking, can he do, hey, can he stay healthy? Uh, and, and even if he can stay healthy, we've seen a lot of times guys at the end of some lines position group lines because other position group lines get short mm -hmm. they end up getting bounced off the roster so i think first and foremost the goal for jamarcus bradley is to is to have a lot of luck not only with his health but with lines uh in in, in training camp and second he needs to show enough uh for, for for the remainder of the summer to warrant being kept around for a practice squad spot but i i think 53 man roster is out of the question barring some really some catastrophe catastrophe at the wide receiver position group. He's going to be taping some ankles. Everybody good. Everybody feel good. Yep. Everybody getting cut here. It's going to jeopardize my spot. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you over. I need to learn more about him. So it's one guy I do want to watch to get a better feel for his background, his skill set. I know he has some size, um, but I don't know too much about his game, but obviously that wide receiver room is, is super crowded. And so it's practice squad at best for him. Uh, Hakeem Butler is a guy that's going to be fun to watch the remainder of this summer here. Uh, obviously, he came out of the XFL, tremendous season uh, with them, 51 catches, five, almost 600 yards, eight touchdowns, uh, former mid-round draft pick uh, who, 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 first and foremost, he's got to continue to uh, move past kind of that draft bust label that, that, that's, that's been on him for several years now. Uh, the, uh, a big guy who really projects as a big slot at the NFL level uh, here. Uh, can he, with being a big body guy, show you enough the rest of the summer on special teams? Because if you're going to be that uh, 4A, 4B, 5, number 5 wide receiver on this team, you better be able to contribute in some form or fashion uh, in, 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 in special teams. Uh, one of the knocks coming on, uh, 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 comes with him, even coming out of the XFL, is those drops, right? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, he needs to have a, a, a fairly flawless summer overall. I do like the big body aspect of him. And within that, look, he's not a, 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 a burner per se, but he still, we, and we saw this in the a a XFL, he can stretch the field vertically and specifically in the middle of the hash marks. Uh, and that's nice to see when it comes to a guy like that, uh, a guy that's big enough that, that, probably should have better 
uh, yards after the catch than, than, than what we've seen so far. But, you know, look, th- this guy, like like it or not, coming out of the XFL, he's still got to move past that draft bust label. He's going to have to be able to play it on special teams. He's got to stop dropping the football. He's got to be damn near solid perfect uh, the rest of the summer. Uh, right now, I, I would say his chances of making a 53-man roster probably sit around 50-50. I think roster construction will have a lot to do with that because I feel like they have their five receivers are pretty penciled in, right? And Deontay, Pickens, Robinson, Boykin, and Calvin Austin, barring anything catastrophic with him. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so it's a question of do they keep six receivers or do they keep an extra tight end or running back or offensive lineman or something on defense? I think that's kind of the battle there. And obviously, you know, how Butler performs will partially dictate whether or not he could become that six wide receiver. If he is, he's probably a weekly inactive to start his Steelers career if, he, if it gets that far. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited for him. There, there's a height, weight, speed element. He was a, a dude coming out of Iowa State, had a good you know, spring with the XFL. I just want to caution, I think there can be a little bit of too much you know, expectations for a guy that has never caught an NFL pass. That's still Hakeem Butler. And so I don't want to lose right. sight of that. I'm excited to watch him. It's a fresh start. I'm sure he's gotten better since his time in the NFL back in 2020, 2021, but it's still a guy that has never caught an NFL pass. We just have to keep those things in proportion for our expectations. Look, he's uh he's a candidate to make 32 53 man rosters this year, potentially, you know, in the sense of a waiver claim, if he would. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, yeah. I mean, just, I mean, because, you know, the injuries around the NFL are obviously going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we don't know how the Steelers roster construction is going to go as far as numbers at the wide receiver position. Uh, and if he does stay dead, solid, perfect, you know, uh, and, and, you know, throughout, throughout the rest of the summer there, he could very well put himself in a position, especially if he's able to contribute some on special teams, you know, right. uh, he's, he's in a, he's, he's, and, and this is it for him, right? I mean, the, the, he's got a lot to show this summer. Because if he doesn't, he'll 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 probably permanently have two feet outside the NFL or just be a you know practice squad player moving forward mm-hmm. here. So this is a guy that's really competing for a uh, 53 man roster spot for 32 teams right now. For being honest, yeah, that's a good point. It's a it's a good way to frame that. So we'll see. I, I want to see if he plays outside at all. There's some attractiveness to, to some of that outside jump ball stuff, but I think he will get a lot of work in the slot and. That obviously creates an interesting matchup advantage when you're going against some smaller nickel corners. Well, I like, you know, I, I think big slots have a role in the NFL and especially if they can hold on to the football and, 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 and yak on the short passes and stretch the field vertically occasionally when asked. And, you know, once again, if he, if he can prove he can do those things, you know, you, you might have to kind of whittle out a, a roster spot for him. Sure. Well, we'll see what happens. All right, uh, let's see. The three that went up this morning, you know, not not really a lot to talk about here overall. Mason Cole, Dylan Cook, and James Daniels. I mean, the the, the story about Mason Cole and and James Daniels, uh, both both those guys. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Both those guys are going to make the fifty three man roster. Both those guys should be starters. Uh, the good thing with both those guys, second year in the in in, in, in the Pat Myers system, you would hope that both those guys uh, see a, a, a increase in quality of their play uh second year in the system uh with both of them specifically well uh james daniel specifically should have uh familiar uh uh counterparts on each side of them one side cole one side chiquamo core four uh 
you know, uh, and, and when it comes to Cole, I think the biggest thing with him, man, is please stay healthy. Uh, mm -hmm. and you know, once again, I, I, I think the upside when it comes to these two, uh, I, the funny thing about James Daniel, that, that when writing this up, man, uh, the kid is not even 26 years. It feels like he's been in the <laughs> NFL, uh, so long. And he has, I mean, this is his sixth NFL season and he's still only 25 years old. He'll turn what 26 in what September, I think. I mean, so you're talking about a guy that that's, that that's pretty accomplished overall, uh, as an NFL player, uh, uh, but he's still so young. So, you know, can he make that next step where you're talking about, man, James Daniel is a top five right guard in the, in, in the NFL. I think that's plausible. Uh, you know, if he stays healthy and, and, and this offense does what we think it could potentially do as far as, especially from, from the run blocking category there. But, uh, and then, you know, we had to talk about Mason Cole a little bit earlier in the podcast as well, too. Uh, I don't, it's hard to imagine a conversation where you're talking about Mason Cole being a top five center in the NFL, but could he, could he firmly supplant, uh, uh, put himself in a position where you talk about, man, Mason Cole is unequivocally a top 10 center in the NFL. And I think there's a possibility of that. I'm with you on all counts there. So Daniels is what 20 when he got drafted. I mean, yeah. I mean, you look at the, hold on a minute here. Let me pull up the birth date on him. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of one of the youngest players yeah, to be that, drafted. I mean, the only one I can think that was clearly younger was a Mobiakoye when he was 19, when the Texans took him about a decade plus ago, but yeah, 26 years old, second contract. Um, you don't see he that was combination. Born, uh, September 13th, 1997. So that put him, uh, 25 right now. Uh, yeah. when he, how old was he, when he was drafted? Was he, I don't think he was 19. He's had to have been at least he? 20 because I would have, you would have heard about right. that more. He had to have been in early twenties. He might've right. just turned 20, but, um, anyway, yeah. Point is, you know, I just remember Daniels last year during the summer, coming back to you each day, Dave, and saying, Dave, I'm real concerned about James Daniels. He's really struggling in camp. And you kind of, you know, as you worked your way through it, you saw the bulk of the line struggle as they adjusted the Meyer system. Daniels, a new team, all that newness, you know, was was a lot. It weighed pretty heavy, but he got a whole lot better the second half of the year in terms of being able to use the hop step to, to stall out bull rushes and just be more comfortable with his hand placement and some of those on-body sets against D-tackles that are uh, covering you up and so you saw a big jump in, in in growth and you would expect obviously the scoring pains to be gone and really hit the ground running for him and for mason cole and for all the returning offensive linemen and that in itself is probably the biggest thing just you know you've worked out all the the kinks and all the cobwebs and you're just focusing on the task at hand and not trying to learn a system it's a way too early conversation to have but because of his age uh, because of kind of his pedigree and let's assume uh, 2023 is his best season to date. Is there an outside possibility that uh, a year from now we could be talking about, man, do you think James Daniels, you know, uh, James Daniels um, might be, you know, might they sign him to an extension? Because obviously mm -hmm. next year would uh, 2024, he would be entering the final year of his, of, of his three-year contract. Uh, could that be a conversation we're having a year from now? I think so. I really do. Um, because 
you've been in this mode of trying to find the guys and build this offensive lineup the way that you did in the early 2010s. And so eventually you got out of that phase in the 2010s and it became about retaining those guys, retaining Pouncey, DeCastro, Marcus Gilbert, a little bit later, Alejandro Villanueva, re-signing Ramon Foster. And so right now Pittsburgh's still in that phase of finding guys, building the group, and hopefully they can work through that this year and next, and they can kind of transition to that next phase of, okay, we have the guys. Now we need to retain this relatively young core. And Daniels, I think, would certainly be at the top of that list. And so, yeah, if he has a really good 2023, I think extension talk is totally reasonable and probably the right direction to go uh, this time next year. Although on the flip side of that, you could say they technically have control of him for the next three seasons after this season, right? Because oh, 2000, uh, 24, 2024, uh, obviously being the final year of his contract, then 2025, you could, you could, you could tag and then you could obviously tag back to back to year, you know, years, even if, if you wanted to pass that. But, uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just am throwing it out there is what would it look could we potentially be in a plausible scenario where we're saying, man, Jay, what a great, you know, unequivocally, unequivocally, James Daniels was the Steelers' best lineman in 2023. He's only 25 years old. Uh, do they need to go ahead and lock him up uh, uh, to, 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 until he's 30? Sure. I think that's a potentially real conversation to be had a year from now. All right, uh, uh, the, the 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 round peg, peg in the square hole uh, uh, of these three, Dylan Cook, uh, obviously not signed not too 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 terribly long ago. Uh, Montana product entered the NFL in 2022 as an undrafted free agent with the Buccaneers. Spent most of the 2022 season on the Buccaneers practice squad. Has yet to play an NFL snap. Uh, okay, measurables overall uh, with him. Uh, in three preseason games last year uh, with the Buccaneers, he only played 73 total uh, snaps. Uh, uh, and all those snaps came at, come to find out all those snaps uh, with the preseason last year with the Buccaneers came at left tackle, but uh, he mostly played right tackle in college there. Mm-hmm. So uh, look, it, it, uh, once again, a lot of negative things have got to happen with that offensive line for him to even have an outside shot. Uh, at making the 53-man roster, uh, a guy like Cook is battling for a pr- uh, practice squad spot this summer, right? He is. You're right. It's interesting. Some of those parallels I mentioned, Bird and Archer, and to hear Alejandro Villanueva speak on today's episode of the New Heights podcast, Dylan Cook has a bit of that background in the sense of the kind of weird position change to offensive line. He was a quarterback initially in college and then tra- transferred to what Montana and then became a right tackle for them. And so he doesn't have the military background that Villanueva has or the receiver background, but weird position, weird journey to, to end up as an offensive tackle. And so just interesting there. Don't know too much about his game beyond that, but just want to see how this guy looks because he's still pretty new to the position. Yes, he is. And uh, once again, I mean, uh, if, if the lines get short at another position during training camp, he, through no fault of his own, he might be outdoors. So, uh, who knows how much longer we'll be talking about him, uh, moving forward once training camp gets underway, but, uh, at best he's battling for a practice squad spot. 
Right. I would say that generally speaking, offensive linemen don't get the heave ho and those kind of roster shuffles quite as much because you basically need to have 15 to 16 offensive linemen throughout training camp, just in case somebody gets a day off or gets sting. You have enough there for the lines. Obviously they can shuffle guys out to replace him with another offensive lineman as they did last year with a ton of those backup guys when McCollum and Dunkel and others came in. But I think his odds of kind of getting the short end of the stick are a little less likely just because you kind of need to have so many linemen for a practice. All right. Uh, I think we're caught up on my 90 and 30, right? Yeah. So I don't know who the next group is, but I'm excited for that. And we'll recap the new list of names on the next episode, Monday, Tuesday, whenever we come back. All right. Uh, anything else here? I, I don't know how much of the Bill Nueva interview you got to listen to. I got to listen to most of it. Really entertaining. Really, you know, obviously just a, a crazy life and so many interesting things that Villanueva has done. He's now a fruit farmer in Southern Florida down in Miami, but a lot of good stories there. And even mentioned, and I didn't know this, that whenever he had signed with Pittsburgh, he was in the office ready to sign on their practice squad. And the Eagles called him back and said, Hey, we want to bring you back to our team. And he said, listen, guys, I'm about to sign with the Steelers here. And and so he you know, turned down the chance to go back to Philadelphia. Could you imagine what that would have looked like had he, <laughs> taken the Eagles up on their offer and went back to Philadelphia probably never has the career that he does. So just a, a wild moment there. Yeah. Uh, a smart decision. Looking back at it now in the rearview mirror, smart, smart decision on his part. Cause he made a little bit of money. Yeah. He had said he, he only wanted to play. His goal was to only play one year in the NFL so he could pay for business school and then ended up playing a lot longer and making a lot more money. So uh, really interesting. Yeah. He said that Pittsburgh brought him in for a workout initially as a defensive lineman because he was at the end in Philadelphia. And then John Mitchell looked at him and said, hey, you're not going to be a defensive lineman. And Munchak looked at him, kind of put him through a couple of drills and said, yeah, I, I can try to work with you. And of course he did. All right. What else did he say? What did he say about James Harrison? I, I have not heard the interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just talked about being on the practice squad for that first year in 2014. And I guess that was when Harrison had, had come back and going against him in practice and kind of just having some of those opportunities to to face him as he kind of was learning the position on the practice squad and kind of taking his lumps there, but got better. And essentially saying, I, I, at one point, I felt like I could block James Harrison. And if I can block James Harrison, then I can block anybody, including James Harrison. And so that kind of gave him the confidence to realize he could play in the NFL. And then a year later, he's the starting left tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right. Uh, we'll sort through the rest of this stuff. These quotes that are coming out uh, today and may, uh, you know, we'll be back obviously next week, uh, probably Tuesday, right. Barring anything uh, happening like a uh, Alex I. Smith uh, signing or uh, a contract uh, extension signing or something like that. So we'll kind of save some of that to potentially talk about on Tuesday. Yeah, that sounds good. Levi Wallace have anything interesting to say? I don't think I saw any notable quotes. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he was asked about Patrick Peterson and the leadership yeah. and how both those two are kind of helping each other. Uh, through, you know, uh, now that they're teammates, uh, uh, obviously had some some quality things to say about uh, Kenny Pickett. I think uh, if anybody's interested in all that, we'll have a lot of lot of posts up about that on SteedersDepot.com, uh, not only on Friday but through the rest of the weekend. All right. Sounds good. Any emails, Dave? Or are we, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, 
I'll hit a couple here real quick. One from Paul Brown says, just want to run some hypotheticals when it comes to the cap and the event the team agrees to a contract that exceeds the cap limit. I'm curious to know uh, how compliance is enforced. Does the league step in and take action to ensure the team uh, rectifies the the situation promptly or is it a slap on the wrist, but the player can continue under the the agreed contract? Is the punishment worth complying? Uh, Look, uh, in, in today's day and age now, when these contracts come across, they have to go through uh, certain channels and all, and they won't be approved uh, if they exceed uh, uh, the salary cap. So there's now, it's not like the old days, uh, probably when it was pen and paper and, 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 you know, that was it. And you had to uh, uh, mail it off to the league office and those kind of things there. There are safeguards in now where teams will not break, you know, go over the salary cap there. They, they, they just won't approve the contract or anything along those lines. I think where the gray area comes in there, and even that now, you know, you go back to the old Will, Will Wolford story, right, uh, with, with Rooney wanting to uh, pay him. Uh, I forget exactly how it went. I got, got it so many, uh, so yeah, many I'm stories. To think. On the, on, what was the on, issue with, with him? Uh, there was something about he agreed to uh, – let me see if I can pull it up on the site. I know you've written about this. Last yeah. year, two years ago, the 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 details all of a sudden have become kind of foggy in my head. Uh, let's see if I can find it real quick here. I'm not finding it uh, all of a sudden, but there was some something along the lines that uh, I don't know, cash payment or something like that, because of agreeing to uh, some aspect uh, of the contract that he didn't hit because of playing time or injuries or something like that, that ended up putting the Steelers in, 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 in salary cap violation. Let me look on the regular. Yeah. I'm uh, trying to, I have an article from the post Gazette, but I don't see a lot of details other than Pittsburgh self-reported. There was an error. I don't remember exactly what the details were on that, but yeah, short answer is uh, all contracts get reviewed by the NFL league office and have to be officially approved. So if a team ever tried to do something they couldn't do, the NFL would, would prevent that before that contract becomes official. Uh, let's see. The, uh, Wolford Simon of Steelers is a free agent in 96, specifically to play left guard. Pro Bowl tackle had a bonus written into his contract, paying him additional money if he was moved back to his customary and more taxing position. Left tackle after two seasons of light duty at left tackle, the starting left guard uh, agreed to renegotiate his deal to help free up salary cap. Uh, for the Steelers, the renegotiations apparently removed $400,000. Uh, Somehow they 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 tried to pay him that money or something. I, it was a good faith. What the root of it is 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 Rooney tried to do good faith on his, on his part, and it ended up being a, a salary cap violation because of it there. But okay. lo- long story short, uh, when it comes to this, is now there's safeguards in place, and uh, teams can't essentially can't uh, go over the cap. There, you know, it won't happen. Is there anything that prevents? a player from being paid. I don't want to say under the table, cause obviously that's not allowed, but just an owner just giving player money or some sort of asset that's not reflected through the salary cap. I assume there's something against that, but you couldn't just pay somebody here's 500 K out of my own pocket to. Yeah. Uh, I, I would think that's come. all, yeah. all that stuff in any payments that team teams make are probably highly scrutinized, whatever they are throughout the league office. And if there's any question of, well, why did you pay this money X amount of dollars? It, it would yeah. it would highly be scrutinized. And you can't give a player 
a stake in your franchise. Is that allowed? I mean, that kind of was with Tom Brady. There was kind of some either rumblings or thoughts about that. Could you, in lieu of money, just give him a stake 2% into the uh, Pittsburgh? Oh Steelers? man, you're, 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 you're over my pay grade now when, <laughs> when, when, it, when it comes to that, I, I, I would have to research that kind of stuff. And I don't know how, how worthy that is of my time. <laughs> Cause uh, I mean, well, you're seeing, isn't that happening in soccer? Didn't Messi or I'm not a big soccer guy, but somebody just, I mean, got obviously a ton of money, but wasn't there some sort of a, a stake in, in ownership? You're you're way out of my lane now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I haven't paid attention to any of that now when it comes to soccer or anything. All right, fair enough. Uh, let's see. Mark Richards has got a kind of lengthy one. I'll, I'll I'll wait on here. Uh, let's see. David Ricards, David Alex. Uh, fast forward to next off season. The team finished with uh, ten wins and won a playoff game. Matt. Canada has been extended. What metrics were accomplished in the season regarding points per game and adjusted net yards, pa- net net passing yards? I'm curious what you guys think needs to happen specifically this year for Canada to be extended. Uh, uh, first and foremost, yeah, look, you, you better win a lot of games. You better you better score more more points uh, than, <laughs> than than last season. I think it's got to be uh, a situation where. You can see it, touch it, feel it, taste it, you know, uh, all, all aspects of that. Uh, Kenny's adjusted net yards for passing attempt number would have to probably be over 6.5 at a minimum, I think. Uh, you know, st- less statistically, I think, uh, you know, outside of, you know, things like that, and obviously points scored. I mean, you to me, you got to see it on tape. I mean, it's got to scream, man, this, this offense uh, really made improvements and it would be a, a bit of a detriment to switch out an offensive coordinator at, you know, after Kenny making these kind of strides and the offense making these kind of strides uh, with this young group of players, that's probably going to be a good core in 2024. Uh, you'd have to see it, feel it, taste it, all that. And, you know, I would think a playoff uh, game win within that would, 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 would need to, you know, would hopefully be involved in that. Yeah. I don't think it's anything mystical or magical or some sort of like crazy number they have to hit. That's like super in the weeds. It's just, are you scoring more per game? Is picket progressing? Is this team winning? Is the red zone offense better? Just some of those basic benchmarks of is there offensive progression and is this team successful? If those things happen, then there's a chance he does come back. Yeah, but once again, I I think if we're even in that realm of having that discussion, it's it's there's not going to be a gray area. I don't think it's it's going to either be man, yeah, uh, uh, it's a legitimate talk that 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 Canada should be extended or. He's out the door before we even get started, uh, sure. you know, a uh, uh, month into into the offseason. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Uh, we're up against it here. Obviously, been a long morning. We started this show a little bit later than normal on top of it. Need to get it processed and out there to all of Yens. So we will be back probably on Tuesday and kind of pick up where we left off. We'll have several, several more 90 and 30 uh, series players to do, to discuss. And who knows what else we'll, we'll talk about some of these interviews and all like that. So uh, anything else to add, Alex? Nope. Everybody have a great 4th of July. I mean, we'll probably come back before then. I'm not entirely sure the timeline, but uh, yeah, have a good weekend and we'll come back next week.
All right. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you uh, want to donate to the cause, steedersdepot.com, hit the donate button upright navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad free version of the site, go to steedersdepot.com, hit the ad free button upright navigational bar, and follow the directions that way. So until next week, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.